0: I thought somebody else was preaching today. I didn't know. I was thought I'd sit down and listen. All right. Well, good morning or afternoon, whichever. And uh, once again to all of our fathers here, happy Father's Day to you. And uh, Amen. Thank you, George. At least somebody in here appreciates that. uh, Yeah, indeed, indeed. So uh, let me get this all situated here. Cool, cool. How are you all doing? Y'all doing all right? Cool, cool, cool. So, so happy to see you all. And, um, man, it's been a pretty good and full week. And uh, so, I'm happy to see your faces here uh, on this day uh, as we, uh, we continue in our series uh, of fruit. As uh, we're spending the next uh, few weeks, as a couple of months, walking through uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and um, and it's been a fruitful series thus far. When you say so, Amen, Amen. And so, um, so we're learning so much about it. In that, in that light, um, you'll notice there's there's a banner that's here. Uh, Believe it or not, that's not there as like a stage prop or decoration. Uh, What that is is uh, the kids. Uh, have homework and so uh, for this entire series uh, we're having um, the at least the school age kids in service with us and then they have folders of homework and so parents we encourage you if you have a ch- uh, school age child uh, to take the homework with them and then they at the completion of the homework they post a sticker or a note up on the banner uh, to symbolize their work, and so, so we've got them working thus far, so make sure you, uh, you continue and then help us out as we groom our babies, amen? Amen. All right, all right, and um, so before we get started and dive into um, the message today, uh, let's, um, let's have a word of prayer, is that okay? All right, let us pray. Eternal God, we are thankful for you. God, as we just finished proclaiming in song, Lord, you are you're mighty to save. God, we honor you for your your faithfulness and your love towards us. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us another day of life and another day, Lord, to be here in your presence. So thank you, Lord, uh, for this day, for a number of reasons, for the reason that you've allowed us, by your grace and your mercy, to wake up and see another day. But then, Lord, also as an opportunity to set set aside some time and say thank you to the fathers, Lord, who have taken on the tremendous charge of leading families and raising their children God we thank you Lord for fathers and God we are particularly thinking of this of you Lord as our heavenly father as the symbol of what fatherhood shall be and as we grieve Lord the the story of another man who was fallen senselessly Lord to violence in Minnesota and how his baby girl, not only will she live without her dad, but, God, that she will hear the stories of how the pendulum of justice did not swing her way, and that she was told that her father's life didn't matter. So with that being said, God, we always ask that you come now. Come now, Lord, come soon. Because we need you, Lord, like we've never needed you before. That the world may see what goodness and justice and love and kindness looks like. As, Lord, is wrapped all up in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. God, but come now, Lord, through your church. May we be the symbols that this earth sees. That we stand boldly before all injustice and before all the evil of this world, proclaiming the kingdom of God. God, may you reign and rule in our hearts, in our minds, and in our souls. But this is our prayer. Listen, this in your name, we do humbly pray. Amen. Amen. We can. Let's let us read together our kind of theme verse for this series. And so uh, we're coming as kind of a guide uh, from Galatians five and twenty two. Uh, that's where you will you'll find the fruit of the spirit. Let us read this together if you can. One, two, let's go. But joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness. We got the rest? I guess we don't. (laughs) That's it, that's it. Uh-oh, uh-oh, somebody's reciting. What else is it? All right. Gold star for you. That's good, that's good, that's good. good. (laughs) Uh, today, today our, our theme subject is kindness. We're going to be focusing on kindness today and uh, before we dive into the message, let me pause just for a moment and to say to you directly as the church family, thank you for your kindness. Uh, for the messages, the phone calls, and for those of you who were able to uh, come yesterday and to show kindness to my wife and her family at the loss of her dad. So thank you so much for extending kindness to my family. If you don't know, let me tell you, like my, my ultimate love language, the way to my heart, is uh, if you show kindness to my wife, you, you, you show me that you love me. So thank you guys so much. Uh, for that as well in that season, and so uh, so really appreciate you all. Um, thinking about kindness, I, uh, I I look for it today, uh, these days because I oftentimes ask myself, is the world as bad as we say that it is? My wife will tell you that I oftentimes argue that it's not. That because I'm a lover of history and because I, I, I've read so much about the atrocities of history, I don't think the world is as bad as we think that it is. I think that we just have easier access to the atrocities to take place. And so when I look at the world, I'm like, I, I don't know if it's, if, it's, if it's worse. It's bad. But I don't know that it's, it's worse. What I'm always looking for is, is kindness, though. I witnessed it, and so yesterday, I I saw kindness in, in our congregation, and I was like, yo, that's sweet. Or my wife was in the store, and I'm waiting in the car, my daughter and I, and I saw an elderly lady get out of her car, and I guess she had her grocery list in her hand, and and it, it flew out of her hand, and she, she couldn't walk all that well. And I saw her almost staggering trying to get to it, and she just couldn't muster the strength or the balance to do so. And a younger lady run across the parking lot seeing her, and I saw her bend down and pick up the paper and hand it to the old lady. Man, and it made my heart leap i'm like man that's that's kindness Or just in conversations with people i can recall just just a couple of days ago as we prayed thinking about the verdict of philando castile and and my heart breaking because of the way that the results came out but the the messages that i received on facebook from people across the country who are grieving alongside us and i just want to say man they didn't have to man how kind is that Kindness that, man, I'm always looking for it, trying to spot kindness out. And uh, I, I, I think about things all the time and how there's just some things that I, I, I don't understand. Um, no matter how many times I've flown, uh, no matter how many times I've researched how airplanes work and how it all, you know, runs together, I, I'll, I'll probably never fully understand how those massive machines Fly through the air. Maybe, maybe Logan Lewis is gonna have to sit me down and school me. I just, I don't get it. I just don't get it. But I also don't understand why, in an airplane, your seat cushion is a flotation device and not a parachute. I don't. I just don't get that. Does that doesn't make sense to me? Does it doesn't make sense to me? I um, I don't understand why living spaces that are grouped together are called apartments. I don't get it. I don't get it. If they didn't your neighbor don't get that, tell them later what I mean. I, I don't understand self-help groups. It doesn't make sense to me. That's just some stuff that doesn't doesn't really make sense to me no, nor do I understand why they have Bibles in courtrooms. The reason, the only reason we are there is because somebody's lying. So <laughs> you're, you're going to tell a liar, put your hand on the book, and tell. that's why we're here. Because they are lying. In, in all seriousness, for the remainder of my days, until breath leaves my body, I will never understand an unkind Christian. An unkind follower of Christ. When when we look at the attributes, these that we just read, the fruit of the spirit, I can understand the argument of I don't know if I have patience makes complete sense to me, or I don't know that I'm a good person. That I understand. I, I, I don't I don't know if if you know if if these things res- some of the things I get. But if any follower of Jesus Christ would ever say to me or if I ever looked at you and I see an unkind follower of Christ. I I don't do this often. I, I try not to judge. I tell you, I work real hard at it. But an unkind follower of Christ, I would question as to whether or not you are truly a follower of Christ. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up how oh, that's the case and the, the older I get I begin to recognize especially in ministry I, don't, I only know one thing I know the gospel of Jesus Christ I, 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 I love it I stick to it and, and, and I understand as a believer and a follower of Jesus that everything that we do and everything that we are flows out of that out of the person and the work of Jesus Christ So if we start at the root of this, because we all start on equal playing ground, notice that there's no difference between the preacher and those in the pews or the seats. We are all the same. If we all start at the same place, and what you will understand is that no matter who you are, no matter what your pedigree is, no matter your education, no matter how good you may think that you are, at the end of the day, each and every one of us in this room are simply the same. We are sinners who have been saved by grace. We have been saved by grace because a generous God saw our need for salvation. And rather than leaving us to our own sinful damnation, he put together a plan so that you and I would be able to join him for the remainder of eternity next to him. That peace, I understand, that's where we all land. What happens then as one who receives Jesus as then as their Lord and Savior, when you understand that we were without hope, by ourselves, and there was nothing that we could do to make ourselves better, and that God was kind enough, we refer to it as grace. He he was gracious enough. He was kind enough to see our need and put together a plan so that we were not left to deal with the repercussions of our sin. Based on that theological idea alone, kindness flows from Because I understand how kind, gracious, God was to me, I cannot help but to display that kindness to the rest of the world. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can say simply because of the goodness of Jesus Christ. Kindness is the byproduct of that. There's nothing anyone else has done. I I exude kindness because he first did. He was kind. So I think of, uh, there's an Old Testament character uh, that I think resembles this well, and, and, and I'd like for us to just look at his life for a brief moment. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the first book. You don't have to look long. The book of Genesis, and uh, the very last chapter, chapter 50, and uh, we'll begin at verse 15. Genesis chapter 50, it at verse 15, and we'll read through verse 21. Uh, from the English Standard Version, by the way, just in case you want to. Use your devices and get on the same page. Genesis 50, beginning of verse 15, and of course it will be available for you on the screens. This is what you will find. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear for am I in the place of God as for you. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Joseph, let me kind of bring you up to speed on what's taking place Uh, When Joseph was a young teenage boy, about 17 years old, he revealed to his brothers, his 11 brothers and his father, these dreams that he had. Both dreams basically symbolized that there would come a day where his father and his brothers would bow down to him in front of him as he's in a position of authority. His brothers didn't like him because he was the favorite son of his father. And so one day his father sent him out to kind of spy on his brothers. They, they, They saw him coming from afar because he had a fancy, nifty, colorful coat that they didn't like because it resembled. How his father, or how their father liked him more than them, and they conspired and put together a plan to kill their brother. Can you imagine that, how deep that hate must have been? Uh, they conspired to do so. They were going to just throw him in a pit and leave him there to die. But one of the brothers said, you know what, rather than doing that, how about we just sell him to the gypsies as they come? And so that they did. They sold him to gypsies, and he then found himself in Egypt, uh, sold into slavery in a guy's house by the name of Potiphar. Now, while he was there, once more, Joseph found himself in the favor of Potiphar, his master at the time. And what happens then is that Potiphar's wife began to have a liking towards Joseph. Uh, And Joseph was trying to be honorable for his master. He decided not to have anything to do with uh, Potiphar's wife, and he denied her a number of times. Finally, she couldn't resist it. And when he denied her on that last moment, she cried rape, and he was falsely accused of rape and then sent to prison. (laughs) Joseph's story is... Really, kind of cool as he found himself in prison uh, for a crime he did not commit. He was even considered the favorite of the prison warden, and he's placed over all inside of the prison. Well, long story short, Pharaoh sends a couple of his uh, officials, the cupbearer and the baker, to, uh, to the prison. And then what happens is they have dreams themselves. Joseph interprets the dreams. One of them goes back to the service. And years later, he remembers the one who interpreted his dreams. And eventually, Joseph is brought from the prison cell to the house or the palace of the king known as Pharaoh. And he is eventually placed as second in charge of all of the land. Now, consider this timeline. Joseph was 17 when he was was given the dreams, when he told his family members the dreams. And 13 years later, he is now in the palace. 13 years of his life, he was enslaved, thrown in a pit, left to die. He was falsely accused of rape, thrown in prison. For 13 years of his life, he was forced to deal with. And suffer for things that were not his fault. Can you imagine how Joseph could have felt in this moment? I mean, listen, um, I'm not Joseph. If you do one of those things to me, as soon as I get the opportunity to find you, I'm coming back for you. (laughs) Joseph, Joseph, for 13 years of his life, he's forced to deal with things and decisions that he himself did not make. And now... Now he's here in this position of authority, and he's having to make some decisions towards the ones who did him wrong. Now, I remember something, man, in, in high school. Uh, I was in RLTC my freshman year at Eastern High School, and I remember Colonel Schneider. Colonel Schneider was pretty cool, he was partially deaf. And so depending upon which side of the room you sat on, you could say a whole lot of st- uh, stuff to Colonel Schneider and he could not hear you. And, um, and so we enjoyed that. Kevin uh, probably had Colonel Schneider too back in high school. Uh, and so Colonel Schneider, he was, uh, he was a pretty fun guy. One day, I'm in class because I'm a jokester, I forgot which side he could not hear. And, uh, and I threw a couple of jokes at him as he was talking that he actually got wind of. And um, and after class, Colonel Schneider pulled me to the side and he taught me a lesson, something that I've never forgotten. I was 14 at the time. I still hold dearly to it to this day. You're familiar with it. He says, listen, son, I just want to tell you, I heard what you said, but don't worry about that. Please keep in mind that I want you to understand this. Never burn a bridge because one day you may have to cross it again. I still remember that teaching. I'm sure you've heard it and learned it from someone else. But that meant a lot to me. And he explained to me what it meant. And through the remainder of my days, I've always recognized the necessity of having healthy and good relationships no matter where I went. Can you imagine Joseph's brothers who are now standing in front of their brother who holds the power to life or death in his hands? And they are now reflecting on what they did to their own brother? We we'll not talk about burning a the bridge. They said that, man, they, it's a bomb. They, they bombed that bridge. That was, that was an act of terrorism that they did towards their brother. And they're standing before him having to answer for those things that he did. But I love Joseph's response. As, a, as opposed to responding to how they look at him, Considering him to be the one who holds life and death in their hands, his response was simply, am I in the place of God? Am I in the place of God? Now, just think about this. If the story had taken a different turn, Joseph loved him because he is looking at God in view of this situation, not looking at the story of betrayal by his brothers. His eyes are fixed on God. Looking at his story, he understands things a little bit differently. But if we were to read this story and if it read differently, I wonder how we would feel like we're amazed by Joseph right now, right? Like how honorable is he? That he would consider this, that he would love his brothers in spite of what they did to him. I wonder how would we feel if he read this differently? How would you respond if reading this, you read, man, and Joseph's brothers showed up, and they were they were the land was you know in famine, and they had no food, and they had come so long just to find hope, and they could not find it. And what if the story read, and Joseph sent them on their way, or Joseph locked them up, or Joseph sold them into slavery? Many of us would read that, and we'd say, well, it serves them right. <laughs> they deserve exactly that. That's what they get for doing that to their brother, right? Right, right because that's that's what we like to see. We, we like to see. That's like embedded in the very nature of our culture. We love to see this. I, I, I say this oftentimes about humanity and about people is this. is this, The reason why we would love to see that story that way is because we're not all that amazed by grace. We're amazed by wrath. Right. We, we love to see the wrath of God or the wrath of humanity or for people to get back what they deserve. Right? Yeah, I know this to be true because I, I spend very little time on social media because I see wrath in our conversations. Amen. Amen. Serves them right. <laughs> Many of us, we, we, we grieve the story of Fernando Castile and, and the situation, not because we want grace or because we want justice. We just want the officer to get what he deserves. And if he gets what he deserves, then we feel better about ourselves. But when you read scripture, the story about justice isn't just about people getting what they deserve. It's about the will of God being glorified in humanity. Thank you. We're not all that amazed by grace. We're amazed by wrath. We love to see people get their due. But if that were to be true, my brothers and sisters, you and I would not be here today. If that were the posture of God, if if God desired that for humanity, then then Jesus would have never gotten on the cross. Because it's not about what we deserve. Grace gives us what we do not deserve. We're amazed by wrath. We're not amazed by grace. How many of you woke up this morning praising God because there was breath in your body? Why? Because you woke up by grace. How many of you have praised God because you've got the activity of your limbs and there are things that you still have hope for? That is the activity of grace in your life. We are amazed by wrath, not grace, because let pain happen. Oh, man, you'll complain about the pain. Let let problems surface. You'll complain about the problems. But How many of us will wake up and give God thanks because he has just been good? If I ask you how you feel, you say, oh man, listen, man, things are rough. But it's rarely, man, when I speak to somebody, I'll just say, man, how you doing? They'll say, man, you know what? God's been good to me. <laughs> and things may not be perfect. Man, but I see his grace all around me. I'm not amazed by grace, man. We're amazed. By wrath, by the mean things, of the, it is embedded in a culture. But I believe that today, as I'm reading the story of Joseph, what God is looking for as I read the story in the Gospels and, and about what God hopes for for the church, I think he wants a church, man, that is amazed by grace, that isn't so concerned with the wrath about the bad things in the world, who recognizes that the kingdom of God came to prevail, even in the midst of all the cruelty, the suffering, the hatefulness that we experience within, within this world. That's what God is looking for. With that, man, we've got to take some time and flip things on their head and see, see God working even in the midst of it. So kindness, get back to kindness. What I love about kindness is like this. Kindness is like grace. In it that you are not responding to the object who is receiving your kindness. You are rather than responding out of the kindness that has been shown to you. And so, three quick things, man, then I'm going to take my seat and I'm going to let the dads go home and put on your new socks. And um, (laughs) first thing, first thing is this. Um, God is always the object of your kindness. God is always the object of your kindness. It doesn't matter who they are, what they've done what we've got to recognize is that we are always being kind because God first was kind to us. He's always the focus of God. It is, it is the idea of the imago Dei, the image of God. The reality is, is that because we look at humanity and in every person, regardless of what they've done, how they live, what they've done to you, you are never being kind to people because of what they've done or what they deserve. You're being kind because they're created in the image of God and God created you and he was kind to you. So that is what you are responding out of. Kindness has nothing to do with the individual. Because if it did, as Joseph is looking in the face of his brothers and if he were to reflect about the evil things and evil intentions that they had to or towards him, Joseph could easily respond out of hate and out of spite and give them what they deserve. But Joseph... He saw something different in his narrative, in his story. He saw God. That's why his response was, am I in the place of God? He recognized God has always been the focus, even when you had wrong intentions towards me. And so that's where his focus was. God. God is the object. God is the object. You can't, you can't look at that. That has to be the foundation of all that we do and how we govern ourselves and our relationships. Now, as a, as a dad, it's Father's Day. Uh, I, I learned this lesson frequently. I particularly learned this lesson having a 13-year-old. Such a challenge. It started, started when she turned 12. And uh, there, there are some stories that I didn't believe until I had a 12-year-old about how 12-year-olds are. And um, they said that they're a special group of children, and you're going to have to learn what grace looks like through your kids. And so about about halfway into her 12-year-old age or whatever, we had a conversation and what I said to my daughter, this, this person whom was 12 years old, who was incredibly awkward at the time, I said, Hey, um, my daughter is in there somewhere. Um, but this person that you are currently, I don't know who you are. <laughs> but I'm going to love you <laughs> until my baby girl resurfaces. Until <laughs> she comes out. But uh, I'm going to tolerate you right now. But one day, my daughter's coming home, and I can't wait till she makes it. That's, that's funny, right? But, but, but in that, our kindness towards other people, and if you consider the argument of the Imago Day, look at the people with the image of God, that's essentially what you're saying to people, is I know what you think about me. I know how you feel about me. I've experienced how you've treated me. And I could be a prick and I could return that to you, but I choose not to. What I'm going to do is through all the mess, all the awkwardness, all the meanness, all the, the ways that you're treating me, I'm going to look past it and I'm going to see God's image in you and I'm going to love you according to that because God is always the image and the object of Kindness. People are never the object. never look at people and say, I'm going to be kind to them. Because people always disappoint you. You'll always find reason to take that back. But if you recognize, man, this is someone who has been treated or been created in the image of God, (laughs) kindness will just overflow from that. Second thing is this, uh, our our fate lies in the hands of God alone. Now, I say this because, listen, how Joseph testifies. He says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for my good. Uh, Within this, check this out, we say that Joseph could treat them wrong because of how they changed the trajectory of his life. Uh, And oftentimes, the way that we treat people is because of their intentions towards us, because somebody at work did something wrong against us, somebody in our neighborhood, somebody within our family, one of our classmates. Because of what they want or what they hope towards us, this is the way that I'm going to treat them because of their intentions towards me. What you've got to understand is that if God is the object of kindness, because kindness first flows from him, but also that God is sovereign, there's nothing that you can do to me that God can't use. So if that's the case, I recognize that I'm going to be kind even in the middle of whatever pickle and predicament you place me in. I'm going to be okay because I recognize your intentions aren't what matter. It's God's intentions. And so since my fate is in God's hands, I don't care, I mean, you can hate on me, you can talk about me, you can set me up, you can make phone calls, you can post negative posters, you can post false ads, fake news. You can do whatever you want to do about me, but my fate lies in God's hands and in God's hands alone. I heard about this as I thought about them, the great, great writer, great Psalm, uh, hymn writer, Fanny Crosby. As an infant, she was born with some issues with her eyes. Her family did everything that they could do in order to find something for her so that the baby's eyes could improve, her sight could improve. Well, after trying everything, this doctor just appeared, and he had the cure, and he placed the solution in her eyes that was supposed to draw the infection out. The problem is it deepened the infection, and so not only... Did she just have some issue with her vision? This eventually made her completely blind. But they'll say, they said, well, you know, Fanny wasn't completely blind. She could tell the difference between day and night. That's about the depth of her blindness. Well, Fanny grows up, and and she becomes a lover of God, and she has this memory that's amazing. She memorized the entire book of Proverbs, most of the book of Psalms. She memorized the entire, all four of the Gospels. And she knew these things that whenever she wanted to get strength, Fanny would just simply sit back in her chair and she would draw from her mental Rolodex the scriptures that meant so much to her. And she recited. People sat around her and just loved to see her just spit out the Gospels and the story of the message of Jesus Christ and how she lived. Man, they loved it. As she got older, she was about 85 years old, and life was rough for her. And and one day, she didn't have enough money to pay her rent. Fanny doing what she normally did, she just leaned back. And she she reached down deep in her soul, and she pulled out some of the scriptures that meant so much to her. And as she completed the scripture, a door, her door, someone knocked on her door. And she got up, and she went, she doesn't know who it is because she's blind. All she feels is a hand, and someone... Miraculously, put ten dollars in her hand. Which you're talking about the late 18th century, right? This this is a this is a lot. This was exactly the amount that she needed to complete her rent. When talking to Fanny, what they say is this: Fanny says that story led me to reflect on my entire life, and that I can't be angry at the doctor. She says I'm sure he's dead by now, but I can't be angry at him because of what he did to me. I can only be thankful. Because had he not done what he did, I'm not sure I'd have the deep faith and trust for Jesus Christ that I do today. And it was based upon that. You may be familiar with these words. Fanny penned these words. She says, all the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? How can I doubt his tender mercies? Who through life has been my God? You lead me. You keep me from falling. Oh, she penned those beautiful words at him that we sing. Because she recognized, had it not been for the intentions of someone who didn't mean well for me, I would not have the depth of relationship with God that I have today. Man, brothers and sisters, only God can determine your fate. Only he knows what's right for you. Only he knows what's going on. It doesn't matter what people do. It doesn't matter what they plan out. If your faith and your trust is in God, you don't have to worry about people's intentions. You can simply be kind because they are not the object of your kindness, nor can they change your destiny. Only God can, and our kindness flows from that. And then lastly, this. Kindness, kindness is a disposition, it's not a behavior. It's a disposition, it's not a behavior. Listen to Joseph, verse 19, he says this, but Joseph says to them, do not fear for I am I in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for my good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them I believe that the, that the writer penned that last section to make it clear that this wasn't just Joseph being he, he spoke out of what he's always been in his journey kindness has been a part of who Joseph has been I don't think that Joseph could have been favored by his father had his kindness not been a disposition or if you say okay this is dad of course he could be I understand that well how about then when he's sold into slavery And he's in the house of this guy named Potiphar, and as a slave, Potiphar puts him over everything within his house. I don't think that as a slave, he could rule under his master the way that he did, had kindness not been his disposition and not simply a behavior. Or when he got to prison, I don't think that he could be placed over all that's in the prison under the warden had not kindness been a disposition and not a behavior. He wasn't just trying to be nice. It was who he was, or I don't think that he would be favored by Pharaoh had kindness not been his disposition. That was just who Joseph was. I think we can say that about all the fruit of the Spirit, but since we're focusing on kindness today, kindness is a disposition. It's who you are. And let me make this this, this, this distinction here. Um, Kindness and niceness are not the same thing. Followers of Jesus, check this out, we are to be kind it doesn't mean we are to be nice. There's a difference. There's a difference between kindness and niceness. Uh, niceness, niceness is kind of rooted in selfishness. It's, it's it's rooted in in what you want to, to get out of somebody. And so you're nice to somebody because, because you want something from them. It's 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 a weakness. It's rooted in weakness and rooted in selfishness. You just you just want to be nice because you hope that someone looks at you a certain way, or you hope to get something out of somebody. If I want you to act a particular way, or if I want you to swing a decision in my direction, I'm gonna be nice to you. You don't, you, you never, bad English, you you don't ever be nice. You be kind. Kindness is a part of your being. It's who you are. Kindness is rooted in strength. It is rooted in love. It's foundational to your character. It's who you are. Kindness comes out in the fact that you can disagree with someone and still be amicable because kindness has nothing to do as to whether or not I want you to like me or not. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do because it's a part of who I am. Kindness flows out of that. And so when you show kindness towards somebody, it's not that you're trying to swing a decision in your way. I'm going to be kind to you whether or not you treat me right or not. I'm going to be kind because that's just who I am. Just the same way as we just got through singing about Jesus Christ, about God, that he's a good, good father. That's just who he is. Goodness is who he is. It flows out of his natural character. It's who he is. Kindness flows out of who we are. It's a natural part of our story. And I love this because the source of our kindness comes from him alone. Jesus speaks about this. The Paul, Paul, Paul confirms this. You can, in fact, read it in 2 Corinthians 4 and 10. You'll see Paul says this. He says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Now, understand, this, this is the posture of, of Joseph, he's caring about the story of god in him that's why he asked the question am i in the place of god because he recognizes the story of god and in our relationships how we deal with people how we respond to people everything flows within us and through us the story of god we're always carrying it around in our body we're always recognizing what god has been done what he's done to us how good he's been to us and if that's the case What we're always doing is we're always responding out of that. It doesn't matter how good of a day that I'm having or bad of a day that I'm having. When I step out the door, I'm responding because the Lord was kind enough to give me life. It doesn't matter what you think about. Even if I know that you don't like me, I'm responding out of the fact that the Lord considered me worthy enough to die on the cross for me. So I'm responding out of that. It doesn't matter people's plans or objections. We're always responding out of that. Kindness is the byproduct of that. And when we do that, we're always trying to figure out, man, how are we going to bring more people to Christ? How are we going to be able to show and spread God's love across the world? I tell you what, man, listen, we can quote all the scriptures in the world that we want, man, if you just be kind to people. It doesn't matter what people say to you. It doesn't matter if you can recite the Gospels like Fanny Crosby from Matthew to, 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 to Luke and John or to Revelation. It doesn't matter any of that. But if you are kind, man, if you're kind and people can see the Christ in you, man, I tell you, man, we could change the world by just being what we were created to be. I'll close with this. My, uh, I grew up right here in the city. Um, you may have heard of the neighborhood, they, they, it's called the Russell neighborhood. And um, the media seems to think it's a pretty bad place. I grew up there, I don't think it's as bad as they make it seem to be. Um, and um, a few years back, I, uh, when the weather's good, I like to ride through my old neighborhood and just hope that people are out so I can talk with them and I still got family there and just see people on the porches and hang out. And I remember uh, there's a liquor store right on the corner of 21st and Muhammad Ali Boulevard. And, um, and I'm going past the liquor store, and I saw a lady that was familiar to me. And so I circled around the block, and I came back, and, I, and it was her. This, this lady was a known addict and prostitute. But I noticed that she was standing on the corner that she had a big Bible in her hand. And when I stopped, I saw on her other hand, she had gospel tracts in her hand. And I was amazed by this because I remember her when I was in high school. And this was the last person that you ever expect to see stand on the corner with the Bible and with gospel tracts. And so I got out of the car, and I don't remember her name. I just, hey, listen, they, they only know me by my mom and my dad. I'm like, I'm Clarence and Jackie's son. She's like, oh, yeah, baby, good to see you. And I say, listen, um, when I was last saw you, this wasn't your story. What happened? She says, well, about, about 10 years ago, I... Uh, I was doing what I, what I did, and I was working, trying to get my next fix. And a guy took me in an alley, and he beat me half to death. She says, I was then taken to the hospital, and I was so angry at that guy and at everybody in my life because of the story. She says, that um, at three years old, my mom met a guy. He moved in with us. And he sexually molested me for the time that I was three until I was 11. 11 years old, I couldn't take it more. I ran away from home. I've been on the street since I was 11 years old. She says, by the time I was 14, I became an active drug addict. And as an active drug addict, I didn't have any skills, nor did I have a job. So I had to do what I had to do to earn my fix. She says, so from the time that I was 14, I've been addicted to drugs. She says, baby, you're talking about 30 years in these streets and really living it up. She says, man, I'm in the hospital. I'm thinking about all this pain, how my mom abandoned me, all these problems, all this pain, and I'm so angry. But the third shift nurse at the hospital, everybody else did their job, but she brought me extra pillows. And she gave me extra care. And when I was in pain, she massaged my body. She stayed over extra hours when she didn't have to. She came in early and brought me dinner. And for the first couple of days, I couldn't receive it because what does she want from me? Because everybody who's ever been nice to me wanted something from me. What is, what's this lady's goal? She said, So finally, after a few days, when she brought the extra pillow, I pushed it and said, I don't want that because I don't know what you want. And the lady simply said, I don't want anything from you, honey, but to show you the kindness that comes from Jesus Christ. And she sat at my bedside, and she shared with me the greatest story that I've ever heard. And she told me that regardless of my story, that this Jesus loves me enough, that he allowed this moment to happen so that I could meet you. And so that my story could change. Not only did she take care of me at the hospital, but she took me home to her house. And her husband and her children loved me equally. And then they took me to their church. And the pastor and the members of the church loved me the same. And I'm serving in a church and somebody found me a job. I've got a job for the first time in my life. And they helped me to get skills. And I've experienced kindness to no levels. So she says, I'm out here today, and I'll be out here until the Lord says otherwise to tell people who are just like me, there is a God who no matter where you've come from, no matter how people have treated you, no matter if people have abandoned you, no matter what people says about your story, no matter your problems, your pains, your addictions, your ills, there is a God who loves you unconditionally. And I am going to show the kindness of God until God removes breath from my body. My brothers and sisters, as I take my seat, I hope that for the remainder of our days, I don't care if you still struggle with being patient. I don't care if you still struggle wondering whether or not you're a good person. What I do care about is that it's the story of one church is a story that exudes kindness. That will meet people from hell and back, from the east and the west end, from the highlands to the lowlands, and we'll tell them about a God who loves them unconditionally, and we will share the kindness of God that will change our world. The greatest story ever told was about a Savior who saw us flawed and failing, and was kind enough to wrap himself in human flesh and join us on this journey in perfection but not to shame us to show us that he's the way he's the way not our politicians not government not money, not think, he's the only way. And I pray that we share that with with a passion that doesn't judge and condemn people, but literally loves the hell out of people. That's how we gather at the table. That's why we do it we do it weekly because we never want you to forget we want you to live that 2 Corinthians 4 and 10 scripture that we're always caring about in our body the fact when you go to the table as we're about to the fact that it was his body that was broken for us that it it was his blood that was shed so that we could live so when we go to the table It's not about whether or not the person in front of you or behind you gets to the table in time. It's about you recognizing the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you. And it's personal. It has nothing to do with your spouse. It has nothing to do with your neighbor. This is a personal thing. So when you go to the table, it's just between you and your good, good father. And recognize he died for you. So that you could have life. So I'm going to pray. And I ask that we all meet at the table. And we commune together. Let us pray. God, you are faithful. And we are grateful to you. For your faithfulness. And God, may we be able to live out the story that has been written perfectly about you. And then in our relationships, the byproduct of that is us loving people the way that you loved us without conditions without limitation that is reckless and without comprehension for God that's who you are and that's who we desire to be so now lord as we converge at the table may we remember this story may we remember you amen